1: welcome in
3: podcast listeners wednesday edition of the show we have got some fun for you an hour one we'll give you some gambling tips with johnny oddshark aka john campbell hour two jeff schwartz stops by and then an hour three my second grader interviews me as part of his biography project at school really all that still to come appreciate you guys hope you enjoy it this is the outkick podcast After all the drama following Game 1 between the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets, there was almost no drama in Game 2 as the Warriors win by 6, take a commanding 2-0 series lead. These two teams have now played 16 games in the past two seasons and the Golden State Warriors have won 8 and the Houston Rockets have won 8. 8. Three in a row for the Golden State Warriors. There was lots of complaining about officiating and everything that happened in Game 7 last year and everything that happened in Game 1 this year. The Rockets said they were stolen. The officiating stole a championship from them. They didn't mention the fact that they missed 27 straight threes in Game 7 at home in Houston. And this was, I think, a must-win game for the Houston Rockets. And when push came to shove they were not able to really make it that close of a game. They cut it to four late, but there was never really any indication in the fourth quarter that the Rockets were going to be able to get a win in this game. And now, we go back to Houston, and there is legitimate, I would say, fear everywhere that maybe, just maybe, the Golden State Warriors are going to run roughshod over the Houston Rockets. Now the Rockets have to win game three and four at home. Will they be able to do that? I have significant doubts. I think that the Warriors get a split in Houston, which would effectively end this series and make it a 3-1 series lead for the Warriors. Now I know, I know, the Warriors gave up a 3-1 series lead a couple of years ago, but the way Kevin Durant is playing I think that is unlikely. I think also the Rockets have woken the, uh, the 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 Golden State Warrior beast by complaining and saying that their title last year, the Warrior title, was illegitimate. Kevin Durant's playing out of his mind, playing like the best player in the world, and I just uh, I think this was a significant win. I, I really do. I thought I told you yesterday, I thought it was a tough loss for me. I thought the Rockets were going to come out and uh, get a win, and at a minimum cover. I was big on the Houston Rockets plus five and a half, and I'll be damned if Kevin Durant didn't hit two free throws with two seconds left to cover for the Golden State Warriors. Brutal beat uh, down the stretch when it looked like I might possibly uh, sneak in uh, and get a cover there. Um, just a uh, just a walloping, no other way to put it uh, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, from uh, what we anticipated. So uh, we now head back for game three. Other side of the NBA equation, the Milwaukee Bucks got a big and much-needed win over the Boston Celtics, taking care of the Celtics pretty easily. Uh, We have got uh, NHL hockey that continues to be uh, absolutely anybody's game as we come down the final eight teams remaining there. Blue Jackets up 2-1, big home win over the Bruins and uh, the Sharks get the win over the Avalanche they now lead that series two games to one but again the Golden State Warriors is what most everybody are going to be talking about and this was an epic win after the game James Harden took a couple of pokes to the eye said he could barely see this was Harden
4: can you take
2: us through the injury, how you dealt with it, how painful it was, and how difficult was it for you to get back out there, and what was it like playing with it? It hurt. <laughs>
5: um, I, mean, I can barely see, but just try to go out there and, and help my teammates.
3: So Harden I'm sure will be fine by the time game three is played, but I want to go ahead and bring in the crew here. Do you guys think that this series is over? Uh, Danny G, did you stay up and watch this entire game? I feel like there's a lot of people on the East Coast waking up right now. This, I mean, let's be honest. This stinks that this game does not start until 10.30 uh, Eastern. Super late start for what may be the equivalent of the NBA Finals. I think this is the two best teams remaining. And uh, I, I know there's a lot of bleary-eyed people listening to us in Houston this morning. Uh, that game doesn't start until 9.30 local time in Houston either doesn't end until midnight central time so just about five hours ago uh, this game effectively ended uh, Danny G did you stay up and uh, is it over
4: oh yeah I stayed up for the entire game and I know you've taught us on the show to be like you and be really humble and never brag yeah but don't I don't
3: bra- draw attention to yourself exactly
4: like exactly I took the Warriors by six and that's what happened it, I wouldn't say it's over because a lot of People thought this was going to go seven games from the jump. So the Rockets still could play very well at home. The thing is, though, they did wake up a sleeping giant. Kevin Durant was woken up because of the fact that he is on a whole nother level. It would take a broken leg. <laughs> it would take a Kevin Durant broken leg for the Warriors to lose this series.
3: Uh, I mean, I think it, it, it is uh, unquestionable that he is the best player in basketball right now. And ever since Patrick Beverly uh, seems to have uh, gotten Kevin Durant all fired up, he was not good in game one and game two against the uh, L.A. Clippers. And then the last four games, he has uh, he has just taken over. I mean, the last uh, what six games, I guess, to four games remaining in the Clippers series and then the two of this series so far. Um, is just, uh, I mean, it was just a, a, a night and day. I mean, it's incredible to see ever since he said, I'm Kevin Durant, he's been proving to everybody that he is, in fact, Kevin Durant. Uh, now, the next game in this series will not be played until Saturday, um, and so they've got a couple of days, everybody does, to uh, to get ready. But, man, this, this feels, uh, it's a uh, Saturday night game, this feels like a series that the Warriors have completely taken control of and that on Saturday night, they can end it. Uh, now, maybe the Rockets will come back. They've played very well at home. They haven't lost back-to-back games very often since the All-Star break. Maybe they will come back and uh, and play incredibly well. They are three-and-a-half-point favorites at home. They'll be favored on, uh, on Monday night, I believe, as well uh, when they play game four. Both of those back home in Houston. They have to win both for sure. But it feels like it's over. Dub, do you feel like it's over? Because here's the deal. The Rockets now have to win four out of five remaining games. And I know that they have come back before. The Warriors have given up leads before. But it's hard to believe that the Warriors aren't going to be able to win two of the next five games if this were to go seven. Uh, So, I mean, I think that's the challenge in general when you go down 0-2 having to win four out of five is incredibly difficult. Now, from the Rockets' perspective, what they have to do is buckle up and say, okay, we got to go win game three, nothing else matters. But I just feel like the Warriors are going to still one of two in Houston. Dub, what do you expect?
6: Yeah, it's hard not to think that the Warriors are not going to win at least one of those games in Houston. And Like Danny G said, barring an injury from Kevin Durant or Steph Curry, which we almost saw last night, this this seems like it's six games at max, probably more like five.
3: What about you, Eddie Garcia? What was your takeaway from this game last night?
7: Yeah, you know, I mean, Houston, they had all f- all five of their starters scored in double digits, and they even had Austin Rivers off the bench added 14 points, so they got a lot of con- uh, contributions from a lot of different players. I know Chris Paul down the stretch didn't do much, but, you know, this was not a, I didn't think this was a poor performance for Houston, and yet they still couldn't get the win. I know it was on the road, and I know Harden wasn't 100%, but uh, it's hard for me to believe that. Houston's going to come back and and win you know this series.
3: Warriors were not good in game one and that was a very winnable game for the Rockets. Game two I thought the Warriors played pretty decently. I don't think the Warriors have played lights out by any stretch of the imagination but to go up 2-0 in this series uh, I mean is massive for them and again I I pointed out the fact that in the last two years these teams have played 16 games uh, and they are even at eight apiece Uh, but the Warriors winning these first two, you, you just feel like I, I think that this series is is not over, but it's close to over. Roberto, your play?
4: Oh, uh, it's over. I mean, it's really it's it's really James Harden the only star there. Chris Paul is in his on his last legs. The series is over.
2: I, the, the Rockets will be lucky to get one game.
3: Uh, we will see. I mean, I, I felt like tonight. I really did. I felt like last night was the Rockets game to win. I'm I'm kind of stunned that they went out the way they did uh, with the Warriors, kind of having control throughout that game. There was never really a sense that the Rockets were ever going to win. Um, and, uh, I I mean, honestly, I, I really did. After all the talk about officiating, almost no storyline at all relating to the officiating in this game. The Warriors went out and just took control, and they dominated. And we'll see whether the Rockets can respond come uh, Saturday. All right, some big stories out there that we're going to dive into. Uh, surrounding the NFL. Tyreek Hill, a little bit more drama there. Uh, we have got my guy John Campbell uh, coming in to give us some gambling tips as we roll into the weekend. Kentucky Derby is going on. We'll get some early picks from him uh, there on the Kentucky Derby, which many people will be paying attention to this weekend. Uh, in uh, hour two, Jeff Schwartz is coming by. He's going to join us early uh, on uh, on Wednesday to, uh, to hang out uh, with us in hour two. And we have something that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. My six-year-old, uh, six-year-old, he's eight now, uh, my eight-year-old had to do a biography of a famous person, famous living person, and he is such a slacker that he picked me. So I said, okay, you're going to have to uh, conduct a, an interview with me uh, then on the radio because you're being a slacker and trying to do the easiest possible assignment you could because you're going to report on your dad and so I had him conduct an interview and I think you guys are really going to enjoy that Uh, we will play that interview for you I think in hour three so uh, Lincoln Travis my eight-year-old the second grader is going to grill me uh, for part of his second grade biography project and uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy that. We're going to do that in hour three, I believe. Also, we've got the anonymous mailbag going on. we got a lot of different stuff to, to, to roll out today on the Wednesday edition of Outkick the Coverage. It's early. Uh, we will go to uh, John Campbell here coming up soon, but, uh, but, but lots more coming your way. Appreciate all of you spending your Wednesday morning with us. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Packs more fun into less time. Download the new DraftKings Pick Six app now and use code Two Pros. New customers play five bucks and get fifty in pick six credits. That's code two pros only on DraftKings Pick Six. The crown is yours.
0: terms at picksix.draftkings.com slash promos.
3: Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Um, Did you guys see the news about, uh, well, first of all, Steph Curry's. Steph Curry's finger. I I know that there's lots of talk about people not playing very hard and everything else, but Steph Curry getting his finger dislocated and coming back in, it was on his left hand. uh, I always think in basketball when people get their fingers dislocated, and you look at it, I mean, that's a tough uh, That's a tough look. Getting his finger dislocated, getting it popped back in, coming back in. You know, Steph really hasn't played that well outside of, I think it was game one against the Clippers. He hasn't played that well in the postseason so far. Uh, but I thought his defense was pretty solid last night. And uh, again, I think that the Rockets have gotten the Warriors energized by all the talk about officiating and defensive, uh, bad calls and everything else, and... You kind of got that sense last night after the game when Mike D'Antoni didn't even really want to talk about the officiating uh, that they're trying to downplay that. And now, like I said, we got a long time until Saturday when both these teams play again. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. I mean, a long-ass time. Four days for everybody to get ready for uh, Game 3 and then Game 4 will happen on Monday night so for a lot of people out there, Game 3 will be the first time that they watch the entire series. What percentage of people, this is a good question, uh, and, and I understand the NBA's in a tough spot because they've got the the a series that's going on earlier, but I feel like this is one where the NBA should go back to the drawing board and bump the start of the Warrior game up an hour because I feel like Warriors-Rockets is the NBA Finals. And that there are a lot more people that would get drawn in and watch if they started this game at 9 30 Eastern instead of starting it at 10 30 Eastern. What and, and I mean, I think this is an interesting question. What percentage of people do you think that want to watch Warriors Rockets are able to watch Warriors Rockets given the start time? And I'm gonna start with Dub, because you're in a, you know, the central time zone with me, which is where Houston fans are right now. And that's tough. I mean, there are a ton of kids I know all over the Houston area that have been all in on the Rockets all season, and they want to stay up and watch this game. But the game's not ending till midnight in the central time zone. And I think this is unfortunate for the NBA because they're already struggling with a LeBron-less uh, playoffs. And to have what may be, and I really believe this, I think this is the NBA Finals. I think whoever wins this Western Conference semifinal between the Rockets and the Warriors is going to win the overall uh, NBA title this year. And I think this is the best series. You're not even getting it in the Western Conference finals, in which case you would bump the, the start of this uh, series up an hour. If I were in charge of television, I would bump up the start of the, uh, of, of the series in that Bucks game to, uh, to 7 o'clock Eastern, And I would bump the start of the Warriors Rockets to uh, 8.30 Central Time to 6.30 on the West Coast. Are you guys with me, Dub? I mean, you're in the Central Time Zone with me, and we're on East Coast Morning Radio. There's a huge percentage of people out there right now who would watch this series if it were on earlier. What percentage of people do you think are actually able to watch this series that want to watch this series?
6: I mean, yeah, even just an hour would make a huge difference in starting time. But, I mean, if you're just a diehard Rockets fan, you're going to stay up and watch it. But if you're just a a basketball fan If you're a kid, if you're –
3: like, I'll give you an example. My 8-year-old is a huge NBA fan. He loves watching Steph Curry. He watches all the highlights and everything else. He complained – like, last night, we had a Little League baseball game. We had a flag football game. Uh, We got home, you know, from all those games and everything else – it's 9:15 and uh, I mean he's just drained just dead and he was I mean like legitimately upset that that the the Rockets game against the Warriors is not starting till 9:30 and it's a constant complaint right I mean he wants to watch the Warriors such that whenever it's the weekend and I can say, hey bud you can either stay up late and watch the Warriors or you get to an opportunity to watch uh, on the weekend when the games are going on. But, I mean, this this situation now, they're on Saturday night. That might be the only game that uh, that your average kid is able to watch of the Rockets and the Warriors series because they go right back to uh, to Monday night after that. And I just think that's a bad look for the NBA. I think they should figure out a way to get a series this big, and the Warriors in general, on at a more watchable time. I mean, who out there would be opposed to starting these games if you have to bump them up a little bit right I mean start the Eastern conference at seven o'clock Eastern and go ahead and start the uh the Western conference at uh at uh 9 30 I think that would be a tremendous difference
6: well yeah and, and you go back to the first round when there's you know much more series and much more games they do start those early games about six Eastern so you know you'd think it'd be able to be done it, so people on the East Coast and Central Time who are Warriors fans or Rockets fans would be able to stay up and watch those games.
3: Give me the West Coast complaint, Danny G. I mean, it, would this not make sense even for the West Coast? I mean, it's still—I know it's a little bit earlier, but you start that at what time? at uh, At six thirty on the uh, on the West Coast, right now yeah. the game started six
4: thirty. That, like that like- game, the late game wouldn't bother anyone. I guess it'd be the earlier game because that would be starting at what time in the afternoon here before people are off of work. But I mean, for us in the studio, we live on East Coast Standard Time here. Yes, and so doing because to, of the show,
3: to their credit, on Monday, which is you know uh, going to be Game Four in this series, they will do that. So I don't know why they yeah. wouldn't have done it earlier. They're starting the games at seven o'clock Eastern. Bucks Celtics Game Four will be at seven Eastern, and then because they're in the Central Time Zone for the Rockets game, they will start it at uh, at nine thirty Eastern. I don't understand why that wouldn't be the default, even though, granted, you're playing the game in Oracle. and But 6.30 seems like it's still a time when most people can be able to get to the game. And this is something I think about a lot, right? Because we're on East Coast morning radio, and I feel like there is a huge percentage of our audience right now that, that wants to watch Warriors Rockets and is not going to be able to stay up on the East Coast till midnight or after to watch the end of this game.
4: Is it worth it? I wonder nationally how many more fans the Rockets draw versus the Clippers in the last series.
3: Oh, I think there are a lot of people invested in Warriors-Rockets because of what we saw in the seven-game series last year in the Western Conference. I always say that what people want in sports is very similar to what people want in entertainment. And and I'll give you an example. We went and watched Avengers Endgame on Sunday I took all three boys, my wife, we all went and, uh, and watched that game. and uh, watched that, that movie. 22nd Marvel Cinematic Universe movie to be made since 2008. I thought it was really good. The boys loved it. We had a really good time watching it. And the reason why those Marvel movies have become so, fam- uh, so successful is because they combine two things. The new plus the familiar. That's what people want. They want something that is familiar, they know the stars, they know James Harden, they know Chris Paul, they know the Warriors now, they know Kevin Durant, they know Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, that is the familiar, but they want something new, it's a new story. And that's why LeBron has become such a big part of the NBA's overall success, because even if you don't care about LeBron James, he has provided season after season, something familiar, everybody has an impression and opinion of LeBron James with something new. Every new uh, season is effectively a uh, sequel, right? And so that's what they did so brilliantly with all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe was every movie, a lot of times they would introduce something new, but it wasn't something so new that it was overwhelming. It was the new plus the familiar, and people are creatures of habit, and that's what they want. So it's hard sometimes to get people to buy in on a new series and a new team. I'll give you an example. The Nuggets going up against the Portland Trailblazers, the average sports fan, and I'm excluding people from Portland and people from Denver or you know, people who are all in and watch everything in the NBA, the average sports fan does not know the Denver Nuggets, and they do not know the Portland Trailblazers. Whatever audience they bring in the NBA final, uh, Western Conference Finals, one of those teams is going to advance, will be predicated on who they play against. Because if the Warriors are there, I think people will tune in to see how the Warriors go as they pursue their dynasty. But they're not tuning in for the Trailblazers or the Nuggets. But that series will be the introduction of them. We've already been introduced to the Warriors and to the Rockets. The fact that this series is happening in the semifinals is is, I think, a real kick in the teeth to the NBA. Because really, remember, the, we talked about this on the show, the Rockets fell to the four seed kind of unexpectedly. We expected that we would get the Warriors against the Trailblazers and the Nuggets against the Rockets, if you were paying attention to the standings down the stretch. And then we would be set up to get Warriors-Rockets in the uh, Western Conference Finals, which would have filled, felt a lot bigger. Uh, but So I think there are a ton of people out there who want to watch this series. I think there are a lot of people surprised that it's already taking place. And when you tip it off at 1030 Eastern, there is just a huge audience that you're leaving behind. As a great stat, I think it's something like 80% of the overall population is in the Central Time Zone or the Eastern Time Zone. That's where your massive audiences come from. And I know from doing morning radio, which is different than what I used to do, in years past, I'd be like, screw it. I'll stay up as late as I need to. When you're waking up like I am at 4.20, 4.30 every morning, uh, and when you're getting up as early as a lot of people are listening to us on the East Coast, uh, there is a, a great deal of difficulty in staying up for this series. So I think this is an example of the NBA really not being very forward th- thinking. They should have bumped up the Celtics and the Bucks series, started at 7 every night on the East Coast, and make this game start at 9.30, I think there'd be a lot more people watching. I really do. So I think there is a massive number of people that would watch this series that aren't able to because of when it starts. And and I think the other challenge you get is this isn't like a one-game scenario where, let's say, you know what, it starts late. For instance, the uh, NCAA title game in college basketball, I think, does not start until like uh, 920 or 930 or whatever time it is on the East Coast. but that's a one game setting. So you can stay up. I feel like there are a lot of people out there who say, you know what? I'll suck it up. I can stay up late for for this one you know game, but it becomes more difficult when there are a uh, there's a couple of different games that are taking place and obviously when you're talking about a seven game series, so that's my big takeaway if I were preaching to the maybe I'm preaching to the choir but if I'm the NBA uh, I'm I'm not thinking that they're being very progressive or very smart in the way that they're putting this game on. We didn't talk very much about the response from the Milwaukee Bucks. It was pretty phenomenal in the second half in particular. They came out a little bit a uh, little bit tight did not play fantastically well early, but the Bucks have been phenomenal bouncing back from defeats all season long. The Celtics had won five playoff games in a row. They had a chance to deliver a knockout blow to the Bucks by winning a second straight game on the road at home. Instead, the Bucks bounce back. We'll see what ends up happening in this series. Milwaukee last season was not very good on the road. The Celtics were very good at home. We'll see whether or not that continues as we uh, move forward on uh, Wednesday night with a couple of big games that will be transpiring there. Uh, we got the Kentucky Derby coming up this weekend. Lots to dive into there. We will bring in my guy, uh, John Campbell, at Johnny Shark next. Have him break down all the world of gambling and get us ready as we roll into uh, the early weekend. I am headed, by the way, later tonight. I'm flying uh, to London. I'm out of town on Thursday and Friday. Also want to talk with uh, John Campbell. So I will be out the rest of the weekend. You'll have J- the rest of the week. You will have uh, J- Jason Martin filling in on Thursday and Friday on this show uh, taking you through into the weekend uh, but I also want to talk with John Campbell about another interesting story that's going on. Uh, there are four states right now with bills on the governor's desk to allow sports uh, sports gambling to be legal in their respective states. Indiana, Iowa, Montana, and Tennessee all really quickly have made uh, moves to make sports gambling from a variety of different angles legal in their states. I'll ask John Campbell about that. That could be a pretty seismic move. Again, if you're listening right now in Montana, I know we got a lot of people who listen up in Montana. Uh, we've got a lot of people who listen in the state of Indiana. We've got a lot of people who listen in Iowa and certainly a lot listening in Tennessee as well. All four of those states. Uh, have bills right now that have been passed by their state legislatures that would allow sports gambling to be legal uh, if the governor signed those bills or allow those bills to become law. I know the governor in Tennessee, for instance, has already said that uh, he's not going to sign it, but he's not going to veto it either, which means that in uh, 10 days... This bill will become law in my home state. That's going to be pretty phenomenal. Uh, obviously, I do the show, lock it in. And notwithstanding the fact that I took two tough losses last night in the Warriors game, I had the Warriors plus. I mean, the the the, the Rockets plus five and a half. They lose by six, and I had Kevin Durant over thirty on the uh, point total, and he scores twenty nine. That's a tough body blow, double body blow. There, uh, we'll talk about it next with John Campbell. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Appreciate all of you spending your Wednesday morning with us. John Campbell joins us now, as he typically does every Wednesday in Hour 1, at Johnny Oddshark on Twitter. John Campbell, appreciate you spending uh, your morning with us here. Did you stay up last night to watch Warriors and Rockets?
8: Too late for me. I saw uh, the early goings, and that just caught the highlights this morning.
3: So, brutal ending if you're like me and you had the Rockets uh, plus 5.5. Durant drains two free throws with two seconds left to get the uh, the cover for the Warriors. Uh, so let's talk about this from an odds maker perspective. Uh, now that the Warriors are up 2-0 in this series, how much of a favorite would you make them? I mean, I, I feel like and we've talked about this a ton all season long, and I feel like you might be with me and thought the Rockets have a chance in this series. Uh, do you still feel that way, or do you feel like the Warriors now become a massive favorite up 2-0?
8: Well, it's just so hard to come back from 2-0. I think the Rockets can still do it. It, it, The series started at home for Golden State, so so that helps the Rockets going back home uh, a little bit here. They're plus 425 now, the Rockets, in this series. So Big odds, but not impossible. Uh, But I would put the Warriors at somewhere now, like minus 300. And we saw them as low as minus 160 here in the playoff. There was some doubt about them. They dropped from minus 220-ish. And uh, I think that should go right back up. There are no odds on the board this morning, but I would probably put them now at like minus 300, minus 250.
3: All right, would you take the Warriors or the field now that they're up 2-0 on the Rockets to win the NBA title?
8: I'll still say the field because I, uh, I think the Bucks can give them a run. I think the Celtics are playing a lot better, and, and the Raptors are playing incredible ball. So getting all those teams, I, I just I would have to take the other teams just from an odds perspective, uh, but but I thought it was going to be the Rockets that beat them.
3: We've got two series tied up at one game apiece in the M- uh, NBA's Eastern Conference right now. Who do you like to come out of the East, and who do you think will be playing in the Eastern Conference Finals?
8: I kind of like the Raptors. I was liking the Bucks, but I kind of like the Raptors now. I just love the way they're, uh, they're playing against the Sixers. I know it's a tight series here, but, uh, I, I just like what I see, especially defensively. Uh, so I, I like the Raptors now to come out. I was thinking Bucks there and, and, uh, Warriors on the other side. I, I hope that series gets close. I think, Houston can. I think they got caught up in a in a lot of nonsense with the refereeing and things like that heading into Game Two. But uh, yeah, I'll say Raptors and Warriors.
3: Raptors, uh, obviously, we've had an awful. I know you're a big hockey guy. The Canada has been. I mean, I I, I, I can't even imagine what sports talk radio is like in Canada over the last whatever it is twenty 25 years of futility when it comes to winning the Stanley Cup, right? Uh, But kind of give us a perspective on what the Raptors mean to Canadians. I mean, how much are people all in on the Raptors? And what would it mean if they are able to advance to their first ever NBA finals?
8: Yeah, it's incredible. It's like having a national team up here. It's when sports radio and sports TV talks basketball the Raptors are always the lead. It doesn't matter if uh, it's a regular season game and it is the biggest game of the night with uh, the week on a Thursday. If the Raptors are playing the worst team in the league, that's what leads in sports uh, up here. So it's almost like this national fever when they're playing really well that, that uh, takes over the country. And it's uh, I, I think players love playing in Toronto, but, but it's got to be a little extra pressure. I know uh, we don't have the population, but it's uh, it, it's exciting and it's like having a national team
3: uh all right so you've got that going on uh right now in the nba the nhl is just a total mess uh what do you see happening in the nhl who do you favor now as we roll into uh the eight teams remaining and it seems like every series is wide open
8: yeah, it's, it's amazing. Well, the, the San Jose Sharks are now the Stanley Cup favorites. Uh, hard to believe because they looked absolutely down and out in round one against uh, Las Vegas. They're plus 320 right now. The Carolina Hurricanes, this is kind of mind blowing, are the second favorites at, uh, at plus at 425. They're up 2 0 on the Islanders. I like the Blues. I, I, I like the Blues to, uh, to win the Stanley Cup. I, I, I think they're going to get through Dallas here, and they're just, they have incredible goaltending. They have A lot of depth across all their lines. Uh, So I like the Blues to come out of the West and win uh, the Stanley Cup. But there is some value in series prices here. The New York Islanders are down two two games against the Hurricanes. Uh, They're plus 325 to win that series. But the Hurricanes just lost their starting goalie, uh, Peter Mrazik, and he was playing incredibly well goalie is the most important position in hockey and losing their starter I just don't think the Islanders are done the way they play defense I think they're going to score more so at plus 325 they're kind of my my uh my um upset team here now and at 13 to 1 now the Islanders I I think they're worth a go
3: all right let's go into uh, a couple of other uh, things that are going on in a larger universe I know that you work at Odd Shark I know you're up in Canada but there are four states right now Uh, that are on the verge of legalizing. And I think this is kind of a linchpin moment for the United States as gambling legalization becomes more and more commonplace. Tennessee, my home state, uh, Bill on the governor's desk, he says he's not going to sign it, but he's not going to veto it either, which means it becomes law in 10 days. Uh, So Tennessee will become the first of the southern states and the first state in the nation to have an online-only gambling bill that uh, that is up and running. Uh, you've got Iowa Governor's Desk, Indiana Governor's Desk, and Montana Governor's Desk. Uh, what do you kind of pick up on the momentum of sports gambling as it sweeps across the country? We're almost a year after the uh, the official uh, you know end of the prohibition on sports gambling was stricken down by the Supreme Court. Do you feel kind of that momentum uh, kind of gathering in terms of the growth of sports gambling in America?
8: yeah for sure I, I think a lot more people are are dipping their toe in the water and just asking a, a little bit more about about how you play this what's the point spread and and those sorts of things and you can see yeah this momentum building i think it's something like 20 states now uh other than the ones who've already uh, gone to legalization that that have legislation in the works to uh to get this done so i i think it's inevitable we're seeing what what's going to happen here And I think it's exciting. I I, I always say what I love best about sports betting is it brings people together. And and I think this is lost sometimes when uh, the naysayers, you know, uh, are, are, are talk poorly about sports betting and it brings friends together. It brings family together. You see in Las Vegas, you just see so many people having fun. And I, and I think, People at large are realizing that that this isn't the the terrible thing that they thought it was and and put it in the dark so we don't have to see it. So I think more and more we're just going to see this come to light, and I think we're going to see more people betting on sports.
3: Derby is this weekend. Uh, What do you anticipate uh, from the Kentucky Derby?
8: Well, it's uh, always a fun race. Omaha Beach uh, wasn't the favorite last week, but now is at three to one. Uh, we've had six favorites in a row have won the Kentucky Derby, so I, I think we're going to see a lot of favorite money come in, and those odds might come come down a little bit more. So uh, get those bets in early. I know they change uh, if you're betting at the track. But yeah, and uh, by the
3: but way, yeah. let's, let me. I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of people bet. If you bet. Uh, at a not not at the track, then your odds are locked in right which is a uh, which is a huge advantage if you think you have a favorite that you like whereas if you bet at the track your odds end up being whatever goes off at post time and I think a lot of people don't realize that.
8: Yeah, it's a great point. I think a lot of people who bet sports, they're uh, if they bet at the track uh, during Kentucky Derby Week and they see their odds change, they're, they're, I, I mean, they must be losing their minds. Like yes. you, You're changing the It's odds crazy. You don't like, even know <laughs>
3: what the odds are when you bet at the track because you end up with whatever the number goes off at.
8: Yeah, it's it's a completely foreign concept if you're used to betting exclusively uh, on, on sports here. But um but yeah, it's, so I think uh, the odds will come down even more. Omaha Beach uh, and uh, usually the way I bet it, I'll take a favorite and and a long shot. So uh, Roadster is one I like three wins and four races. It's Bob Baffert horse, so I'll take that Roadster at five to one as as my favorite and uh, country house at 30 to one will be my underdog slow starter and late finisher i think could be a surprise if things uh, if the pace jumps out too quickly here
3: outstanding stuff as always john campbell we will talk to you next week enjoy the games this weekend my man
8: thanks Clay. you too
3: uh we come back there's a controversy in the sports illustrated swimsuit issue I swear to God, this is real. I don't know who these people are that are obsessed with the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. But also, ESPN, the magazine, has shut down. We're going to talk with Jeff Schwartz, but I want to dive into this question at the top of hour two. How long is it going to be till SI shuts down? And what would that mean for the world of sports media to suddenly have absolutely no weekly magazine I think it's going to surprise a lot of people who grew up with the importance of Sports Illustrated. Interesting shift in our media consumption habits, we will discuss. My name is Clay Travis. I appreciate you guys spending your first hour hanging out with me here. Hour two and hour three still to come. Wednesday edition, Outkick the Coverage next on Fox Sports Radio. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Welcome back. Hour number two, Outkick the Coverage. Brought take, a to you by True car. take a deep breath. I got to take a deep breath. These two flights of stairs coming up to the studio here, I think most people would collapse. Not sure Dan Patrick could do this. Not sure Cowherd could do this. Two flights of stairs and then read all these ads. I mean, that is—it's uh, really the height of athleticism. Don't brag or draw attention to myself very often, but really, what I'm doing is uh, unprecedented. We're brought to you by True car. I'm fascinated uh, by this story. Um, Obviously, for everybody out there waking up early this morning with us, we spent hour one breaking down uh, Warriors Rockets. Uh, The Warriors take a commanding 2-0 series lead now uh, with uh, their uh, crazy cover. I don't know what the Rockets are doing fouling with two seconds left on Kevin Durant. Uh, You're already down four. Let the clock run out. Usually, you don't foul like that at the end of the game. Uh, Had a cover. Would have won big on lock it in. Instead, Kevin Durant steps up to the line, hits two free throws. I lose that game by a half point. Not that I'm bitter or anything, but don't foul. Usually in the NBA, that's the great thing about the NBA—they don't foul down the stretch like crazy, like they do in college basketball. Uh, also, the Bucks get a big win uh, in the NHL. We've got uh, two series that are—who uh, knows what in the world's going to happen in the NHL? I mean, the NHL playoffs are uh, must-see television if you like hockey at all. Because, frankly, you have no idea. I mean, no earthly idea what is going to happen from one night to the next. Uh, last night, Blue Jackets go up 2-1 uh, over the Bruins with a 2-1 uh, win. And then late last night, the San Jose Sharks get a win over the Avalanche. Sharks back from the dead. Uh, should have been eliminated by the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Instead, fight their way back and get a uh, big victory. So, um, the uh, ESPN announced they're shutting down ESPN, the magazine. And in conjunction with that, there's a controversy. And I don't get this. All right. Every year now, it seems like there's a different controversy that goes on with the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue because they are so desperate to make the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue be a storyline. I don't understand who the people are that are like uh, still excited about the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. When I was a kid, you know, like back when it's like, you know, 91, 89, 92, you know, those years. When you're like 10 to 14 years old or whatever it is, uh, the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue was one of the only places you could go and see really good-looking women not wearing very many clothes, right? That is now incredibly commonplace. It's called the internet. If you really want to see women not wearing very many clothes, spoiler alert, 40% of all internet traffic is pornography. This is true of all the internet traffic that's going on at any point in time in America, 40% of it is pornography. So if you are into looking at naked women, there has never been more free naked women available in the history of the world than the internet. So I don't understand who the people are that are still all fired up about what happens in the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Uh, But this week i guess or whatever in the sports illustrated swimsuit issue or this week i don't know does it come out now i thought it came out like in february i don't even i don't even know what's going on Is it didn't it used to come out in like february does it always come out in may can somebody look that up am i totally lost or am i misremembering things but i thought the sports illustrated swimsuit issue always came out like in the very beginning of spring late winter does it always come out in may
4: uh, we haven't paid attention to it for years same as you so we're gonna look that up right somebody
3: now. somebody do research on this anyway today is May 1st and I think the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue is about to be out and they've got a woman posing in a burkini which I didn't realize what a burkini was but it's like a burka mixed with a bikini uh, I look I mean th- and so people are evidently outraged over this or upset. I don't even understand this First of all, the bikini is maybe the greatest invention in American history. You got the, uh, you got like uh, air conditioning, you got like the car, and then you got the bikini. I would say those are the three greatest inventions in American history. All right, you following me along there? The car, the air conditioning, and the bikini. Now, technically, we didn't invent the bikini; what we perfected it. I think the French invented the bikini. Those are the three greatest inventions of. I'll I'll just say this three greatest inventions of the 20th century got the car you got air conditioning and you've got uh the bikini maybe also antibiotics I would have to throw in there I think we invented an- antibiotics in <laughs> the uh, 20th century too i'll throw in that those are the four greatest inventions of the 20th century the car the the air conditioning antibiotics which i think were invented in the uh, 20th century and the bikini four greatest inventions I don't know why you need to change the bikini and put more clothes on people with the burkini or whatever, but I don't understand why this is a controversy, and it's all tied up. And Now, you guys looked up. When does the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue come out?
4: In January, SI announced that they were moving this year's from – Mid-February to mid-May.
3: All right, so that's pretty good by me, right, to notice that that there's this big change here. I remember February, you know, like sometime after the Super Bowl, usually you would get the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. All right, so ESPN the Magazine has announced that they are shutting down ESPN the Magazine. So I guess ESPN announced that ESPN the Magazine is shutting down. So this was a 20-year-old company, roughly, that at some point in time was insanely profitable, that has basically given up the ghost. And it got me wondering, how much longer will Sports Illustrated still exist? And also got me thinking about how much the way that we consume sports has changed. As a kid, I remember being so eager to walk down to my mailbox and read and see who was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Now, I don't think my kids are ever going to remember this. Like, I still get Sports Illustrated. And, for instance, they had Tiger Woods on the cover right after he won the Masters. And I was like, hey, guys, look at this. And, like, I'm trying to encourage my 8-year-old who doesn't read anything to read something. So he's a huge sports fan. And I'm like, hey, look, here's your here's Giannis. And he's like, I don't like Giannis. I like Steph Curry. Like, whatever. You know, whoever's on the cover, I'm trying to give it to him. They have no interest. They have no interest at all. I still get, I'm an old man. I get the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times delivered to my house every day when I'm doing the morning show. At the end of hour one, I walk out to the front of my house. I go get the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times to check and see what their covers are, what the stories are about sports and otherwise. And then I sprint up two flights of stairs because I'm one of the greatest athletes in the history of Sports Talk Radio. Uh, There's no doubt about that. Again, cowherd uh there's no way dan patrick there's no way those guys are sprinting up two flights of stairs and doing the ad reads as efficiently as i do but i was curious about this for the crew going around the horn how many of you subscribed at some point in time to either sports illustrated or espn the magazine danny g did you ever get these magazines delivered to your house
4: oh yeah at one time or another i had both magazines as a little kid sports illustrated and then later as a young adult you I had ESPN the now. magazine. Now no, neither now. I would say the last time I had ESPN the magazine was probably ten years ago.
3: Okay. What about anybody else on the show? Does and I subscribe still to Sports Illustrated? Uh does anybody else on the show still get Sports Illustrated or ESPN the magazine, which is now shut down?
7: Uh, I don't Clay, but I did just want to mention from a nostalgia standpoint. Uh, Sports Illustrated was the first mail I ever received.
3: Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah,
7: so that was like I, I just remember there was something in the mailbox actually for me, you know, as like a kid in junior high. So uh, no, I haven't I haven't had SI in a long, long time, but it was a, a special part of my childhood, I guess.
3: All right, so for day, uh, sit out here for a minute, Dub. You're only twenty five, so you're in a different uh, age range. <laughs> although I'm curious what you think. Are you guys in agreement with me, uh, Roberto, uh, uh, Danny G, and Eddie Garcia, that you remember being like the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue was a big deal? You know, like so, when it would arrive. Yeah. And I mean, it was it been a pre-internet era. My mom c-
4: tried to confiscate it.
3: Yeah, right. Okay, yeah, your mom, my mom might too. try to hide it. The women who were on the cover of the swimsuit issue became superstar, like different caliber level superstars. They would break in new women uh, every few years and the new models would become say famous what? too. I mean, this was for, uh, for, you know, like what would you say from, I don't know what year. Somebody look up the first year of the swimsuit issue. But I remember, like this was, uh, this was like when you became aware you were heterosexual before you even knew you were heterosexual. Like the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, you'd look at it and be like, "Okay, I like girls when they don't wear that many clothes." I didn't know I did. I liked girls when they didn't wear very many clothes. Now I know it was kind of a rite of passage. Now there was the next step up, right? The Playboy magazine, the penthouse, like all of those, you know, that were actually pornography. I think for people who are younger than us listening right now, the uh, the amount of power and uh, and and an amount of you know just kind of overall attention that a print publication like these would get was was extraordinary. All right, what year was the first issue of this SI swimsuit issue?
4: January twentieth, nineteen sixty four.
3: Nineteen sixty four. Wow, I didn't know it went back that far. All right, so I can't even imagine how much power that thing had in like 1970, you know, like when, when, when Playboy and all those other magazines were just starting off. I mean, the amount of power that magazines had, are you guys with me that this is like, I mean, the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, issue arriving in your magazine, in your mailbox was massive. Kids bring it to school. I mean, it was a huge cultural
4: phenomenon. Yeah. Not only that, we used to cut pictures out of it and Pack it to the wall with right, our yeah. Bo Jackson poster. That, there yeah. would be a picture <laughs> of Marcus Allen next to his Ferrari oh, Testarossa. Dope. And if you were like me, and and I think Clay Bo Jackson was also one of your favorite athletes. Girl. Oh yeah. <laughs> so anything Bo related, Marcus Allen, any Howie Long, anything like that, my older brother and I would carefully take that page out and add it to our collection of things we pinned on our bedroom wall.
3: Yeah. So I mean, it was uh, it was everywhere. It was impossible to miss. And now when I see the news about ESPN, the magazine, ceasing to publish, it's got me legitimately wondering, I wanted to set an over-under here, how much longer do you think Sports Illustrated will still be a magazine? And the other thing about this is, think about how much our consumption habits and the way we consume sports have changed, when it used to be you would wait around till Wednesday to read about what happened over the weekend, right? And you'd still be, like, really excited about reading what Sports Illustrated had to say about the big games and the big events that happened over the weekend. Like, I remember that very well. Go down to the mailbox and you're like, oh, wow, yeah, that game happened in the NFL. I'm going to read about what happened last weekend. I'm going to read about what happened in that golf tournament. I'm going to read about whatever happened in the world of sports. Now it seems crazy to me. Like, even in my uh, career in talking about sports, I uh, would do afternoons before I did this early morning show. I would do afternoons. And it's wild to me, even now, that I would watch Saturday college football and people would wait to hear what I had to say about Saturday college football until 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Monday. Nowadays, I feel like everything is so immediate with social media and your uh, ability to immediately react to all the articles that come out, all the news, all the highlights, and everything else, that it's almost impossible to have a story last more than 24 hours. So even Tiger winning the Masters, it's hard for by Wednesday, when Sports Illustrated actually arrives in most mailboxes, it's hard for Tiger to still be the same level of topic because everything moves so quickly. It's Remember that? Like, Do you guys remember when you would get the win and you would still be reading about what happened the weekend before and now if we come on this show, this radio show, and whatever we lead with on Monday, we're still leading with on Wednesday, it's incredibly rare. It's almost unheard of for this show's first story, for what I talk about coming on Wednesday, to have also been what I talk about on Monday. Right? I mean, that doesn't happen very often at all.
4: Oh, there's sometimes where stories happen on Friday, and by the time we get to Monday's news, they're not cycle, even around anymore. They're not around.
3: Yeah, and and so the question for you guys, over under, if I give you three years, over under three years before SI stops almost everything but the swimsuit issue.
4: Man, I I hope I hope it doesn't happen. I'm going to say five years.
3: Over under five years still remaining for Sports Illustrated to exist.
4: I'm gonna say right at five.
3: It's crazy that I, I think they're about to sell the Sports Illustrated entire magazine for like and and the brand, the website, the the uh, everything surrounding it for like a hundred million dollars. Somebody's about to pay a hundred million dollars for it. I would love to get their math on what percentage of that comes from the swimsuit issue, because the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue is still by far the most profitable arm of the entirety of Sports Illustrated. I mean, it's insane how much money that thing still makes. And I think it's because a lot of people still buy ads old school-wise. And certainly, there's still a lot of eyeballs on the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. But online, the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue is insanely quaint, right? Because you're competing with all of this legitimate pornography. And then you have a picture of a girl in a bikini and I can understand still why, why in a print magazine people would flip through and look at it. But when you actually think about online, like I don't understand who the people are that are clicking through photo galleries like mad to look at pictures of girls in bikinis. Like I, I, I guess that there's still a lot of people who do that, but it seems incredibly quaint to me in this era that we live in now of uh, of mass like I said 40 percent of all internet traffic is pornography so what about this Burkini controversy have you guys heard about this no so have you heard of the burkini
7: that seems like such an odd thing it's like uh I don't know a fat free donut or something it's yeah, like yeah I don't what's the, bur- the point I all mean, right so that
3: it's you' you're, you're mixing two things that are not similar at all right, right? the burka. For people out there who are not you aware, all up. Yeah. Yeah, the entire purpose of the burqa is to cover you all up. And then for some reason, like I haven't even, have you seen the picture of the girl in the burkini?
4: No, we're all Googling it right now. All
3: right. So I, I everybody look at this picture right now. And again, I understand that they exist to get controversy and everything else. So there is a, bur- and this is like, to me, just stretching so hard to uh, to try to find a controversy to like, what else can we do that will be? I think they had. Did they have transgender models in Sports Illustrated recently, or did they put Caitlyn Jenner on the cover? Am I making that up, or did that happen? Uh, was Caitlyn Jenner on the cover <laughs> of Sports Illustrated? Uh,
4: I don't think so. I'm gonna. I'll look
7: that. Am up Am I making you.
3: that up? I thought she. Was,
7: I hope you're making that
3: up. Uh, maybe I'm making. Did Looking she, was at the bikini.
7: Oh man, that thing is. Awful. Was she
3: in Sports Illustrated? I, I Am I just totally making this up about Caitlyn Jenner in Sports Illustrated?
4: I think you're making it up.
3: I don't think I'm making it up. Somebody I think bag- you're getting
4: it confused with the award that he, she won.
3: I thought that... that you, I might thought, be, you
4: might be right about I a magazine. Thought, I didn't think it was Sports Illustrated, though. I
3: thought they put Caitlyn Jenner in the uh, in the magazine.
4: We'll take a look for you.
3: Uh, so here's the picture of the burkini, all right? So this model, obviously very pretty. Um, but I... Uh, I, I i first of all i don't see why it's remotely controversial right okay like she's not wearing hardly anything
4: yeah jenner was on a cover but not the swimsuit issue
3: what was she on the cover of it in a, in, a, in a mag in a swimsuit right
6: yeah she was on the cover i think right after the uh the transition if on sports illustrated on sports illustrated so i'm not yeah.
3: making that up that happened yeah
6: but it was not uh it was not a swimsuit edition
3: but she was like in a swimsuit
6: uh, not for sports illustrated she's wearing uh I don't know what you would call that. I'm not a female fashion expert. No. She
7: she was uh she he whatever was on a uh Vanity Fair cover um that was maybe the famous one you're thinking
3: of. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, but I feel like also Caitlyn Jenner was in Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue at some point because they keep trying to just figure out whatever they can do to provoke a controversy in any way so there's a lot of people talking about this burkini thing and I went and looked at the photo and I'm like eh I mean you know whatever like I mean I don't understand the purpose in general like the burka and the bikini are as far in opposition of each other as they could possibly be and I think this is one of the reasons why the terrorists hate us uh, as they said memorably in the uh, the uh, interview, they hate us because they ain't us. Like, th- and that's ain't us, not ain't us. Uh, they, they hate us because they ain't us. Like, when they caught Osama bin Laden in Abbottabad, right, in Pakistan, and they killed him, they found a ton of porn with him. Like, this is not made up. This is 100% real. And I think they are jealous of everything that we have in America, these terrorists, right? And I think it's because they're like well, we have burkas and you have bikinis. And there's not a man alive that if you give him a choice between a woman wearing a burqa or a woman wearing a bikini, that's not picking the bikini. And I think they know that and they're so angry and they're so mad, they know that we have the better life that even Osama bin Laden, who was supposed to be like this huge religious figure, he's got all sorts of porn when he gets shot in Abbottabad. And it's American porn. And I bet, he was, I bet he had the SI swimsuit issue somewhere there. I don't have any doubt. But how much longer will terrorists be able to look at the SI swimsuit issue? Maybe not very long. I'm going over under three years. We'll ask Jeff Shorts about this when we come back. Uh, I'm Clay Travis. By the way, roadmap for where we're going. Uh, we're going to talk to Jeff Shorts. Then I'm going to do a little bit of the anonymous mailbag uh, at the t- end of hour two, top of hour three. And then we have an interview. And I think this is going to be good. I'm making my eight-year-old interview me because he is doing he's cheating. He had to do a biography on a famous living person. Let me get you guys opinions on this too before we'll talk about it an hour 3 a little bit as well. How much of a cheat job is my 8-year-old, my second grader, choosing his dad first of all to classify me as famous, but getting to do his end of year biography assignment on me.
4: <laughs> well, I got to catch a preview of the interview and Judging by his personality, it doesn't surprise me that he did this because when you ask him the question, are you cheating, just the little mischievous laugh he gives explains the whole situation. I told
3: him that if he was going to do that, that he had to interview me live on the radio. Now, we taped it because uh, because he's a lot of times not up early enough to be able to sit and, uh, and do an interview with me. So we taped it.
4: Yeah, and you Uh, took him when Derrick Henry was there at the studio.
3: Yeah, I took him in Derrick Henry, um, and he got to meet. So I I took him out of school on Thursday for the NFL draft, and we went downtown and, and hung out at the NFL draft. But in particular, I took him out of school early because we had Derrick Henry on the show, and Derrick Henry, the Tennessee Titan running back, former Alabama star, Heisman Trophy winner, is his sports idol like he is just in love with Derrick Henry so we had Derrick Henry uh in the downtown Nashville studio and so Dub was there we recorded with Derrick Henry and then I had Lincoln interview me so this was last week that we taped it but we're going to play it for you in hour three so all that's still to come also we're going to talk with Jeff Shorts we'll ask him about his impressions of the uh of the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue this is Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis Outkick Studios. Are we on? Is this radio on? Is this show? Does this show actually go out across the nation? Uh, welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. I'm going to London. I'm flying to London tonight. Uh, so I'll be out Thursday and Friday, be back Monday. Jeff Schwartz and Jason Martin will be sitting in tomorrow. And uh, Shorts, when's the last time you remember looking at the Sports Illustrated
9: swimsuit issue? The last time I looked at it was... I don't know couple years ago maybe I don't now are now. you old enough
3: to remember when it was a big deal like in a pre-internet pre-pornography is everywhere yeah. location are you old enough to remember when like the sports illustrated would arrive and the swimsuit issue was a huge cultural event
9: yeah i remember i mean uh, my i think my dad still has a sports from like the 70s in the garage and i remember he the swimsuit issues there yeah i remember all yeah every year I'd come out And that's the only time you got to see anything like that.
3: So they're shutting down ESPN, the magazine. How much longer do you think Sports Illustrated will continue as a, as a magazine that comes in the newspaper, like, you know, a print publication that arrives in the mail?
9: Probably not much longer because they they put their content online for free. Like like the same stuff you can read. And and I read a lot of the, the articles they write. They're good articles, but they all come free now. So you know, the article says, well, this isn't a print edition this week, but, I mean, if you're going to give it to me for free, then I'm going to read it for free online, and I don't really, I don't, I don't have any publication, we, we have newspapers I subscribe to, but I don't even get the physical copy of those, I know you like to read the physical copy, but we have, um, like, I think I subscribe to like three newspapers or four, and I don't, and I just read them all online, I don't, there's no reason for me to ever have a physical copy of anything.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I still get the hard copy of the newspaper, and sometimes I feel like such an old man. Like when I'm on the flight to uh, to that London, guy? yeah, when I'm on the flight to London, you know, they come around to pick up uh, all of your your your, your you know, waste products or whatever yeah. when you're on the airplane, and I always give like ten pounds of paper to the <laughs> to the flight <laughs> attendant, and they're like, "What are you doing?" Like you know, like when I get on a cross country flight, if I'm going to L.A., for instance, to go work at Fox. Uh, or coming back like let's say coming back on my flight I'll have the LA Times I'll have the uh, New York Times I'll have the Wall Street Journal sometimes I'll have the USA Today like all because my one of my biggest fears is being stuck on an airplane without anything to read You know, like I I read about those people like, oh, I had to spend 12 hours on an airplane. And other than, you know, having your kids with you, which would be utterly miserable and like your iPad, their iPads are running out, um, like being there and having nothing to do, like just uh, it terrifies me. So I always go on with a lot. But like if you have four newspapers and you hand it to the flight attendant, Uh, Like, I mean, it weighs as much as some of the flight attendants, right? I mean, like they're trying to fold it under their arms and everything else. And so I'm one of the last people who still reads the print publication. And the reason I do it is because I find that I read articles that I otherwise would not because things that you're naturally going to read, like you click through on, but there's, I, I like the uncertainty of like, oh, I'm going to turn the page. What's on this page? Oh, that looks like an interesting article. Like, I like finding something new as opposed to, you know, just kind of finding what I would already find. And so that's why I read.
9: Well, I understand. I know I keep a book in my backpack whenever I travel for the five-hour delay. Like, I never really read it, but it's just like it's in there in case we get really delayed. Yeah. I just have something. My iPad dies or my phone dies or... The Wi-Fi doesn't work, and I can't watch a movie. Whatever it is, I have the backup book always in my backpack.
3: All right, so my theory is that Daniel Jones may be the most over-criticized uh, draft pick in history. Uh, like, I understand he's went number six overall to the Giants, but I haven't seen a single media person say one positive thing about Daniel Jones. I mean, you would think this guy is the worst draft pick in the history of mankind if you didn't know any better. And if he had gone 17th overall, I feel like nobody would have even said a word. So we're suggesting that the difference in 11 spots is seismic. My argument that I came on and said Monday, and I've said it uh, you know, this week, is if he's good, nobody will care where he gets drafted. If he stinks, it also wouldn't matter where he gets drafted. Either way, the GM probably gets fired over it. Uh, and that's the way quarterbacks in the first round go agree or disagree
9: well I think there's many things at play here I think one is the fact that Giants passed on Sam Darnold last year who's better than Daniel Jones and just kind of seemed to make no effort whatsoever to replace Eli and And to your credit
3: even as good as Saquon Barkley was and he was the NFL offensive rookie of the year your argument was Running backs are a dime a dozen. If you can get a transcendent quarterback, you have to get him, and you thought Sam Darnold was one.
9: Yes, or Josh, I think Josh Rosen can be one. I think Miami will be good for him. Um, but but then um, you end up – so you pass on him. And then you bring in Daniel Jones, who is uh, a guy that feels like an Eli clone, who is, who is you know just kind of like an Eli clone. And I think people are like, well, you just drafted the same guy you already have when Dwayne Haskins, who many people believe is better than him, is still on the board. And then for me, here's here's the way I look at this draft pick. And I'm not, and I think Daniel Jones can be good. The problem is the history of the history of, of quarterbacks like him getting to the NFL and succeeding is almost none. So you have a quarterback who was just okay in college, right? I mean there was nothing he did that you're like, wow, this guy is an elite quarterback, right? I mean, we saw Dwayne Haskins and we saw Kyler Murray do elite things. Even Drew Locke, he has like an elite arm talent. He played in the SEC. We have a guy in the ACC who, against Power Five conference teams, was not very good. And yeah, you can blame drops. You can blame Duke. I don't really buy all that because Jared Goff went to Cal with almost no one who was in the NFL. Josh Rosen went to UCLA with almost no one who was in the NFL and was getting beat up. And so I don't buy that, that all the excuses. But When's the last time, Clay, you had a quarterback drafted this high, or high in high in general? I'd say top fifteen, top twenty, who was just okay in college, who turned out to be elite in the NFL? It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't I, to me,
3: Daniel Jones is very similar to Mitch Trubisky,
9: right? With with a much better coach of Chicago. And we don't even know if Mitch Trubisky is elite. Right. We I,
3: I a league. Right, I have game. no idea. But that, that was my position Back on Mitch people. Trubisky yeah. was the Bears traded up, took him at, what, three overall? Yeah. Three. And it's still uncertain after two years exactly where Mitch Trubisky is going to project. Like, how good is he going to be? How healthy is he going to end up being? Uh, Bear fans are uncertain. I mean, I I feel like that's a uh, that's a decent argument. Um, I, you know, I think you could say uh, Patrick Mahomes had a lot of on-field losses, and that was the criticism of Patrick Mahomes when he got drafted where he did by the Chiefs. And certainly, if you go back far enough in time, you could say, well, Tom Brady was very mediocre as a but quarterback. Yeah, correct. But,
9: I mean, I, but you know, to your point about drafting six or seventeen, where you draft players matters because it's about finding value in the draft. So you draft Daniel Jones at six, that's a high-value prospect, just like Ms. Trubisky. So they're going, to be, they're going to be judged differently than if you draft someone later in the draft. And Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, those are outliers. Look around the NFL. Franchise quarterbacks are in the first round or the top of the second round, like a Drew Brees. Otherwise, you just kind of get lucky that you drafted Tom Brady. Russell Wilson wasn't supposed to play. Matt Flynn was supposed to play. Dak Prescott really, in their ideal plans, would still not even be on the field right now. that would be Romo's, the quarterback. So they, you just kind of fall into those. You know, like the Panthers, I'm going to show They talk to Will Greer, and everyone's like, well, he's the next guy. Go, eh, slow down here. Because that would be lucky if the Panthers ended up with Will Greer as the next guy to follow Cam Newton, which I don't think Cam has done yet. But you, so it, it's about value. So the Giants overreach a little bit for, for a guy who wasn't better than Dwayne Haskins, in my opinion. And then also did not draft a quarterback last year. But I think more, more importantly, this is what it comes down to, which is why I was criticized, is I think it feels like another Eli Manning. And, and it feels like a guy who's not threatening, who doesn't threaten Eli Manning very much. Because fans aren't very excited for him. So if Eli plays poorly against the Cowboys in week one, no one's going to call for Eli to be replaced. If he plays poorly in week two, no one's going to call. Because they don't, don't want to see Daniel Jones play. If it was Dwayne Haskins, the first time Eli had a bad series, you know, be put in Haskins, put in Haskins, and there's no pressure to play Daniel Jones because no one likes him.
3: Uh, what did you think of the Battle of Winterfell?
9: Um, <laughs> I thought it was good. Do um, you know, by the way, that that our Aria stunt double is like a, is like an Olympia like a, like a, a gymnastics uh, Olympian from Utah? No, I had she no did. idea. We're, yeah, we're we're trying to get her on my tactical radio show. We we uh, put out a, a request for her. Um, the best part about the whole thing was, our, it was Macy Williams had an interview where she said her boyfriend told her it really should be John Kilman, Night King, shouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Incredi- incredible, it's an incredible line. I thought it was good. Look, I, I came into it expecting to be there to be a big battle. There obviously was a twist, but it's interesting because the people that read the books, like my brother. Are like super upset that we didn't learn more about the Night King. I mean, the guy had never talked. Yep. All he did was kill people. We know his origin. Like, what did you expect that him and Jon to have a sit-down conversation before they had a battle? I don't know what. I, I what thought something
3: happened. interesting was going to happen between Bran and the Night King, and we got. I nothing. thought so too.
9: I, I think there's still an opportunity. I mean, there's still there's still what six hours left of, of of the show where Bran can explain things. I mean, I'm hoping at some point he does explain, and that's his job. Or right? I mean, the rave is just. From off to nowhere in the middle of the show. I mean, I, I don't know what his deal is, and maybe he knew Arya was going to kill the Night King, but I was hoping that we would get something, and maybe we still have an opportunity. I, I, will, I will reserve judgment. The one thing I also didn't like is no main characters died. I mean, if you're going to have an entire battle like this, at least you got to kill somebody. I mean, Jamie has one hand, and he's fighting off 10 <laughs> dead people at a time, and every scene he survives. I like, guess not. Like, Samwell is overweight never fights, and he survived. He's like in a pile just stabbing dead people to death. Like, yeah. come on, man. Like, like at least like, give me someone to die. I mean, we had a, a bunch of people. Yeah, some people die, but they weren't main characters. I mean, Theon, I guess, is a main character, but he had a long periods of the show where he wasn't on. So I just thought that was, I, I know it's unrealistic to talk about a show where dead people are fighting, but um, I thought that was... It was it was a little predictable, you know, John. You knew that John, when he was fighting all the dead people, the dragon would come save him. I mean, there was some predictable stuff. I I, I was enjoyed by it. Um, I just I couldn't see anything. My TV, I guess, was not bright enough. I don't no, know, but that was frustrating. It was
3: still worth it. That was frustrating was for worse. sure. Jeff will be back tomorrow with Jason Martin. I'm sure they'll talk about all sorts of interesting things. Uh, final segment of our two. Game of Phones coming to you on Outkick.
0: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
3: Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Appreciate all of you spending your Wednesday morning with us. Uh, We've had a lot of issues with our phones over the years, but unfortunately, it appears that our phone failures are spreading. We got a viral crisis at (laughs) Fox Sports Radio Game of Phones. I haven't heard this. Danny G says things are getting worse.
4: Yeah, before we get to Eddie's update here, we we skipped a week due to the NFL draft, but Game of Phones is here just in time for episode four. So you've claimed on the air many times, Clay, that you're the only national radio show that has technical issues with the phones. Yeah, for four
3: years in a row.
4: Well, first we proved you wrong with Cowherd battling his phone problems, and now another big-time show steps into the battle. After a valiant microphone issue,
0: but unsuccessful attempt on Clay's crown, Colin Cowherd was denied. It bums me out. Game of Phones, episode four.
3: The bane of my existence is cell phone coverage.
0: A family who sat out the epic battle last week now sits and waits for the final war. Call now and receive Dan Patrick and the Dan Nats. Joining us now is Russell Wilson, the Seahawks quarterback. I had my first touchdown pass ever. <sighs> Wait a minute, Mo- move your move your phone a little bit there, Russ. You're uh, you sound like you're underwater.
3: Travis, no doubt that anyone could dispute that anymore. Yeah, let's call let's call back Wetzel here as we lose him for a sec on the uh, on the cell phone. Patrick
0: your wife could have more opportunities in New York. Can you clear that up? <laughs> yeah, I think this is part of... Uh... Thank you, Russ. Hey, guys. It's a pleasure, guys. It's a pleasure, guys. <laughs> the Dan Nats.
1: Uh, yeah, Paul. We got to call our people up at ATT. <laughs> Travis.
3: Yeah, we're here. I swear to oh, God! You can hear me,
0: Claire. Talk! Speak! I'm trying to, Claire, I'm sorry. I apologize. There will be bloodshed. Hello? Game of Phones.
3: It's a white guys fighting phone lines.
0: You hear me okay now? There, right there. That's good, okay. Don't move. But <laughs> I, I, what...
3: I uh, can only imagine. That is really well done. Game of Phones spreading. Dan Patrick, Colin Cowherd, Clay Travis. All failing miserably trying to talk to people on the phone uh going into our three next open phone lines quick anonymous mailbag version 877-996-6369, 877-996-6369 load them up i will answer your questions then you're gonna get the most hard-hitting interview in the history of the show my son lincoln travis grilling me on air next outkick
1: on Google Play or the App Store. Game on!
2: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
3: live from the Geico Outkick Studios. This show, we're in all 50 states. Satellite radio, iHeart streaming app, Fox Sports Radio streaming, uh, the podcast, everywhere you can basically think of to find this show, you can uncover it. And I hope you guys are enjoying it as you start off your Wednesday morning. Last night, late, we had a big win by the Golden State Warriors. They were never really in doubt throughout to take a... Pretty commanding 2-0 series lead against the Houston Rockets. Series returns to Houston for uh, Saturday and Monday. we got a big gap between now and Saturday night when this game will be played. And then we go uh, to Monday when Game 4 will be played. The Rockets, I think it's fair to say, now uh, have to win Game 3 and Game 4 in order to make this a competitive series uh, and avoid getting uh, wiped out. The Warriors seem to respond well to all the controversy surrounding the officiating, all the talk that came out of Game 1 and uh, frankly, the Rockets did not live up to their end of the bargain. A couple of different, different injuries. Steph Curry gets a dislocated finger on his left hand, comes back, and uh, we have uh, James Harden getting poked in both eyes. Incredibly uh, red-eyed, blurry vision, uh, but the Rockets are unable to get one of two in uh, the Bay Area, and so the Warriors now a substantial favorite, even if they weren't already in this series as the games return to Houston an interesting series fact these two teams have played 16 games and they are now tied 8 games apiece in the last 2 years uh, otherwise we had the bucks getting a big win over the Celtics big second half run from the bucks uh, to uh, to wipe out the Celtics and we had wins in the NHL by San Jose and by the uh, who else? The Columbus Blue Jackets to take two-one series leads there in the NHL playoffs, which are thoroughly unpredictable. All right, we have got a fun final hour for you. Uh, I am going to do the anonymous mailbag here at the open of hour three. Usually, we do it in hour two. Bit of a different uh, format here, 877-996-6369. You can call in 877-996-6369. Double field your calls, abbreviated version of the anonymous mailbag, which we usually do on Wednesday. And then, uh, this is pretty funny. My eight-year-old, he's a second grader, had to do a bio project on a famous living person. So the kids, the entire class, they have to do a biography project on a famous living person. And so my second grader, who is, uh, let's just be honest, not the hardest worker in school, decided that he was going to do his project on me, uh, which is ridiculous, on me, his dad. So he did a bio project on me. And I said, look, you are being such a slacker. In doing your biography project on your dad, everybody else is out there doing research, reading books, everything else. You're just asking me questions and then writing down my answers. I said, you're going to have to do a radio interview of me. i going to put you on the radio. You have to ask me questions. We're going to put you on the spot. And so we recorded this uh, last week. We haven't edited it at all. This is our Lincoln Travis, who is my second grader. He's eight years old. Interviewed me for his school bio project because I thought he wasn't doing enough work. So I put the pressure on him. He had to sit down in studio last week when we interviewed Derrick Henry. He got to meet Derrick Henry, and then right after that, with Dub there. He had to sit down and uh, and he had to ask me questions. Now, Dub, you've witnessed the interview. You're the only person who has. What would you say about the interview, Mike Wallace? Ask is this like sixty minutes?
6: Well, first of all, I'm just I'm just proud of him, man for uh for for taking the easy way out and interviewing his dad i mean that is something if i had the yeah, chance the school to do.
3: bio project where you get to do your dad <laughs> as a famous living person is such a cop-out that oh, uh, that i thought he needed to get grilled on the radio
6: about it no but i was there to witness it firsthand like you said and he he got he got some pretty good questions out there for you i think he he stumped you uh, a couple times here and there so it'll be a, it'll be a fun listen to hear on the radio
3: all right, so let's go into uh, the the anonymous mailbag here eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine abbreviated version, but I think uh, you will cue the music here, and then I think we got a couple people lined up with some interesting questions. Cue the music, boys.
0: You've got mail, mother- anonymous mailbag. If it was a problem, yo,
2: I'll solve it.
3: Now, for those of you who don't know, the anonymous mailbag I write on OutKick, my website, every single Tuesday. And so this is uh, the uh, the radio version. You can call in, ask any question that you've got going on in your life. I think I am uniquely well suited to answer questions. I think mean, King Solomon of the internet, King Solomon of radio, nobody is better able to solve problems than me. All right, Dub, who's up first?
6: All right, we got a couple lo- callers lined up. Let's start off in Pennsylvania.
3: Pennsylvania, what you got for me?
6: Hey, hey, Clay, this is a. Uh... This
10: is Chris. Hey, uh, big fan of the show, Closet SEC, SEC fan, sitting up here in Pennsylvania. Hey, I'm really intrigued to come visit Nashville. From all you've been talking about and all that stuff, the NFL draft this week, last week, put me over the edge. Uh, I'd like to come down and see it. Your new bar. Um, I find out over the weekend, my son, my only my son, my only son who's going to be married, um, have a bachelor party. He's going down there for his bachelor party. My question to you is: Does Dad try and horn in on this trip so I can go down and see Nashville?
3: How many people are going on the bachelor party? Did we lose him? I think that factors in in a big way. I am—is he still there? I feel like I can hear him in the background. Hello. Yeah, you're still there. Let's just listen to him breathe and not answer questions. I don't even know what could happen here, Dub. Explain how this is possible, that I can hear him perfectly on live Richmond radio. Richmond there.
6: Richmond, I'm not sure if he can hear us or not. Obviously, he can't.
3: All right, so let's pause. All right, so I was going to ask him more questions, but evidently he's not able to answer. All right, so couple of things here. One, I think it depends on the size of the bachelor party. Uh, if this is like a um, you know huge group of – it depends on the size and the age of the bachelor party. If this is only your your son's friends, that is – and I have no idea how old your son is, but let's say he's 27 or 28, which is roughly the average age that men get married in this country. Let's say he's 27 or 28, and everybody that's going to be with him is between the ages of 25 and 30, then I think you can't go. You can't go to the bachelor party at all. Now, if he is older and or there's a more wide range of potential ages, then potentially you can go. Ultimately, it's your son's call, but I I don't think that I should go on my son's bachelor parties. Like, this is my position now. They're only 11, 8, and 4. But I think it would be weird if, like, the son went on the bachelor party, just like I think it's weird if, you know, your future father in law goes on the bachelor party. Now, if the bachelor party is something different where you're not going and, like, getting, you know, strippers and uh, where you're not drinking to excess and everything else, and let's say you're going fishing. You know, like you're going on a fishing trip and like you've chartered a a boat for a few days and I'm just using fishing as an example or you're just going and staying in a cabin and like you're going to be roasting marshmallows and hunting or, you know, doing something along those lines where it's just more of a male experience as opposed to like a party, then I think it's fine for the dad to go or the father-in-law to go. But in general, I'm anti this. I feel like, and I don't know if this is correct or not, but I feel like I see a ton of bachelorette parties, and I feel like the bachelorette parties tend to be wider age range. Is that a, is that a reasonable expectation? Like when I see Nashville is the bachelorette capital of America, did you guys see the video I tweeted of the woman complaining because she, she came into town and didn't realize <laughs> that, that? Yeah. Maybe we can grab that and play that to finish off Wednesday since I'm not going to be on Thursday or Friday. Somebody scroll through my Twitter feed and grab that 50 seconds. I think people would enjoy that who didn't hear it to finish off. But do you guys agree with me that the average bachelorette group, like when you see them out, is a larger age range on average than a bachelor party? I would totally agree with you on that. I think that bachelorette parties, by and large, tend not to be as wild as bachelor parties. And so, uh, I think men in groups are wilder than women in groups. So, uh, I, I think it depends. And Nashville seems to me like it's more of a party vibe. So, I'd probably say you should come down on your own. Uh, all right. Uh, what's What else we got, Dub?
6: All right. We got Richmond, Virginia up next.
3: Richmond, Virginia. What's
10: up? Hey, Clay. Um, so, I've been with my fiance for five years. And... I'm going through, we have a three-year-old together and um, she's dealing with, uh, gotten really bad in the last couple years, just alcoholism. Uh, I can't do anything with it. I can't get her to uh, get any help. Uh, she will sober up for a day or so and she realizes that she's a lunatic when she drinks, but then it's right back to it. How often uh, does she drink? All daily, every day, she doesn't have uh, a job up to no, she can't keep one because she drinks four bottles of wine a day. It's all wine, oh yeah, wine, Chardonnay wine,
3: so she just drinks Chardonnay all day every day now the three year old who takes care of the three year old she's with her, but
10: she's a somewhat functioning alcoholic.
3: So, but she's in charge of your three-year-old daughter all day. She stays home with the daughter, and she just drinks bottles, like four bottles of Chardonnay a day?
10: Yeah, most of the time. By the, by the end of the night, 9, 10, or 11 o'clock, she's, on, she's had four bottles. And, uh, like,
3: she's at, with the girl by herself? Yeah. Like, does she drive around during the day? or like I mean, that's a lot of alcohol to be consuming. What does she do all day?
10: No they generally just sit at the house, and that's the thing that's my kids not being able to go anywhere. I drive an hour and twenty minutes to work, so I leave at five a m and I work seven to three thirty, so I don't get home till a little after five
3: yep yeah. and so uh like is anybody this is so how long has this been going on uh about close to 2 years did it start and, I mean, slowly like she up. would just she would has she always had a major drinking problem or is this since the kid was born
10: some of it is mo- the 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 big majority of it has been since she was born
3: so she started off slowly maybe like stressed from being a parent like a mom and she's having a couple of glasses and it just continues to progress to the point now where basically uh, she's going through bottle after bottle every day
10: uh, yeah and, who buys I mean, the Who buys first, the
3: Who buys the wine for her?
10: I buy it sometimes because she's had a seizure once a year and a half ago because she tried to stop. Um, so it's, it's a tight spot to be in. Uh, like she gets really sick if she doesn't have it.
3: Yeah, I mean that's withdrawal symptoms. I mean so does she have a uh the, what's her family situation? Is her family aware of what's going on with the uh the, the the wine drinking?
10: Yeah, her mom's job is a lot more laid back than mine, so she's done several times taking off work and tried to help her. And then she's a raging lunatic to her and she can't take it anymore. She'll bring her back. <laughs> What about the parenting? I mean, she's a good parent. She doesn't take anything out on
3: our daughter or anything. It's Does she acknowledge that she has a problem with alcohol?
10: When she's sober, yes.
3: And so she'll start drinking Chardonnay at like what time in the morning? Like 9 a.m.? Like 10 a.m.? Do you know?
10: Oh, she takes it to bed with her. She takes a glass to bed with her. And I mean... When she wakes up, she polishes that off, and some days so, she'll eat a little bit and then pour a glass so that she feels better.
3: All right. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for the call. That this is serious. I mean, it's dangerous. First of all, to uh, like leaving aside everything else, drinking that much alcohol is dangerous, especially if you couple it with watching a three-year-old. Um. Who anybody who's ever watched a three-year-old knows, like things can go awry with three-year-olds in a hurry, and you need to be kind of in control of your faculties while you're watching a three-year-old because they can get into so many messes so quickly. Um, I think you. I think you have to get her if she acknowledges that she has an issue when she's sober. First of all, the the, the first thing you need to do is I think you personally have to stop buying alcohol for her that would be number one so you cannot buy her alcohol anymore and I think what you try to get her to do is just start to go down in the alcohol consumption I mean what she should do is just stop because she's addicted and she is not getting better and when you're addicted to anything things in your life get progressively worse so what she should do is stop, quit told cold turkey. Some people can have handle alcohol. Some people cannot. She clearly is someone who cannot. And so she is unable to restrain herself if she's drinking three or four bottles a day of wine. I mean, that is just an amazing amount of alcohol consumption on a day-to-day basis. And so she just shouldn't be drinking, period. Um, and so she needs to stop. Th- th- The question is, how do you get that to happen? I think there are a couple of different possibilities. The step that you should take is not buy her alcohol anymore. Okay. The second step you should take, I think, is this is dangerous for your three-year-old. So, If she is drinking as much as you're saying she's drinking, and let's say your three-year-old gets hurt, can she drive her anywhere? Can she drive that kid anywhere? Can she get help? Probably not. So you need to try to get her to start drinking less. And it sounds crazy, but can you get her down to two bottles a day? Can you get her down to one bottle a day? Can you get her down to only drinking when you are home at least? So if you could get her to hold out, you say you get home by five. If you could get her to just not touch anything until five o'clock, how much more functional would she become? And then that's at least a small growth. Uh, in terms of her function functionality, um, that would be the direction that I would try to go. Um, and the challenge that you've got is you got a three-year-old who really can't tell you what's going on, and she's home by herself all day otherwise. So you may think things are getting better, but she may be hiding alcohol, which is why you're in a challenging situation because you're gone pretty much all day. Um, and so, man, I, I I don't know how to solve this problem, but I think... Um, the, you know, the easy answer is she needs to just quit. She's probably unlikely to do that. So can you get her to work back to the point where it would be a victory in your household right now if she would not touch a glass of wine until you got home around 5 o'clock in the evening? Uh, best of luck. Obviously, you mentioned her mom knows about this problem. You could try an intervention. You could bring in other people. Uh, but she's addicted. And uh, breaking the habits of addiction can often be very, very difficult to, uh, to reconcile uh last anonymous mailbag question what you got for me dub
6: all right we got texas to wrap things up
3: texas what you got good morning morning what's up my man
8: so um i wanted
3: to uh, ask a question for, uh, be- i mean um, come on so i feel like i'm being pranked pause for a second and then let's start again can you just go directly to the question your phone's not working Yeah. All right. So much for that. I just... uh, I mean, the bane of my existence is (laughs) cell phones that are awful. Uh, All right. Uh, We're going to close it out there. I'm too frustrated to continue. When we come back, uh, an incredibly important interview. My eight-year-old decides that he is not going to... that he's going to do the easiest possible assignment he can. He has to do a living uh, project, biography project on a living person and he picked me, and so he came into studio to interview me, and uh, you're going to be able to hear that coming up next. This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis.
1: Welcome in
3: Outkick the Coverage. We have a special guest this morning. He is my second oldest son, Lincoln Travis. He is eight years old. He is in second grade. And Lincoln, you had to make a decision to do a biography of a famous living person and tell everybody out there who you picked.
5: Clay Travis.
3: So you picked, you could pick anybody in the world and you decided to do a biography of your dad. Now that seems a little bit, <laughs> that seems a little bit, there's probably some other kids out there listening and everything else. That seems a little bit like cheating because you get to do a story about the person who lives in your house and your dad who you know a little bit. So uh, so why did you pick your dad? Why'd you pick me?
5: Because you're my dad. And it was easy? Yeah, basically.
3: <laughs> alright. So uh so you I told you, okay, well, if you're gonna pick me, first of all, did you learn anything about me in doing your research to do the biography?
5: Uh well, I learned that you started your own website.
3: You knew that already, probably. No, I didn't. You didn't know that, alright.
5: I, I knew you did the show out kick the coverage, but not.
3: You didn't know about the website. Nope. Did you learn any new words?
5: Uh I learned
3: controversial
5: yeah <laughs>
3: <laughs> do you think your dad is con do you know what controversial means
5: uh i know what controversy means but not controversial okay
3: what does controversy mean
5: it means when you're getting in a fight about something and there's a lot of hate about what something or somebody did
3: do you think that your dad is contra- con creates a lot of controversy yep you do mm-hmm. does dad create a lot of controversy at the house sometimes who rules the house mom yeah does Dad get to make any decisions at home? No. <laughs> All right. So you, I told you when you decided you were going to do an interview—I mean, a biography on me—that you were going to have to interview me uh, live on the radio, right? I said, "Well, okay, you're not going to have to read books. It's not like you're doing a story on George Washington or Abraham Lincoln or somebody, you know, who you have to do research on." So I told you you had to interview me, right? Yep. And so I don't know these questions, but you have come up with questions that you want to ask me live on the radio, okay? So, uh, so again, people out there listening, this is Lincoln uh, Travis. He's my eight-year-old son. He decided to do his biography project to end the school year. By the way, who's your uh, who's your teacher this year?
5: Miss Isom.
3: You like Miss Isom?
5: She's really nice.
3: Who are her favorite teams?
5: Uh, She likes the Vols in college and then the Titans in the NFL.
3: So, yeah, she likes the Tennessee Titans. And she at-
5: likes Texas A&M.
3: Because her... 'Cause she has a family member there, right? Her
5: brother uh coaches there.
3: Her brother coaches there. All right. So this is for Miss Isom's class. We're doing an interview because you had didn't have to do a lot of research. Yeah. All right. So what questions do you have for me? You can start with your first question.
5: When did you start liking sports?
3: I have liked sports for as long as I can remember. Uh the first game that I ever went to was Tennessee played UCLA and I was younger than you. Uh, in Neyland Stadium in Knoxville, but for my entire life, uh, I've liked sports. The first game I ever watched by myself was uh, the um, Sugar Bowl between Tennessee and Miami back in 1986. I was by myself. Your grandpa went to that game down in New Orleans with some of his friends, and I was excited to watch it, and Tennessee won 35-7. to So I've been a huge sports fan ever since then. Let me ask you this you watch a lot of sports with me. Yep. What do I do when I watch sports?
5: Well, if your team gets whipped, you rage. Yeah. If your team's winning, you shake if it's like a close game. Get excited. Yep. And then if they're creaming them, you're like, great play.
3: Yeah. Does dad ever use any bad words when he watches games? Yep. Yeah. You're not supposed to say those bad words, right? Nope. Yeah. You know where I learned them? Your dad. Mom. Oh, yeah. yeah mom told me all, <laughs> taught me all of them um so you know your mom's got a really dirty mouth she's gotta <laughs> gotta watch out um so uh all right so second question what what's your next question
5: what was your favorite football player at age eight
3: when I was eight when I was in second grade good question when I that's a good I, I don't know I, like <laughs> I said I hadn't seen these questions you're stumping me I'm trying to go back in time to when I was eight years old uh, when I was eight years old my favorite football player was probably Eric Swanson Uh, he was a wide receiver for Tennessee um, back in the day Uh, number 27 I think Uh, and so he was the first football player that I really liked and then also there was a Tennessee running back University of Tennessee running back named uh, Keith Davis when I was for baseball my favorite players by far I was a huge Eric Davis fan because I used to watch the Cincinnati Reds play and uh, I really, really loved Eric Davis. So he was my favorite baseball player. And then I also loved, when I was a little kid, Bo Jackson and Michael Jordan. Those were my oh, yeah. all of my favorite uh, favorite athletes when I was your age, when I was in second grade. What else you got?
5: Uh, what was your worst mess-up on air?
3: Worst mess-up on air? Uh... I have said naughty words a few times, <laughs> accidentally, not very many times that we're not allowed to say on the radio. Um, fortunately, knock on wood, I haven't ever had to do anything where we've had to like uh, really apologize uh, for what we said on the radio or create any kind of real problem there. Uh, but you were just watching me interview Derek Henry because he's yep. your favorite player, right? Yep. And what did you catch me doing?
5: So he was introducing Derrick Henry and he said, Alabama quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner. And I was like, wait, Derrick Henry's a running back. So he finished the interview, and I'm like, Dad, I think you messed up when you were introducing Derrick Henry. And then we play the review of the um,
1: of the
3: interview. We went yeah, back.
5: And we went back, and it turns out he did say quarterback, and I stumped my own radio amazingness
3: dad (laughs) dad got it wrong you caught me i was trying to get the ad read in and i said alabama quarterback derrick henry instead of running back uh derrick henry and you caught me so we had to go back and fix that um what other questions do you have
5: um what is your favorite interview you've ever done
3: favorite interview that i have ever done well this one is ranking right up there because it's pretty cool to have my one of my little boys on the, the radio um But my favorite interview that I have ever done, man, you know, on this show we had Hugh Freeze on, uh, the former Ole Miss coach who's now coaching at Liberty, and I thought he was really, really good. One of the interesting things I think about doing radio interviews is it's more about the answers you get than the questions you ask, because I can't control what people say in response to questions.
5: Yeah, Not how they did, like just your favorite overall, like you're the best person you've ever done. And, like, the most the most excited you've ever been to do someone.
3: The most excited I've ever been to do an interview. Man, I don't know. I You know, we had uh, Christian Okoye on. Um, and I used to be – Christian Okoye was long before you were born, was a really, really good running back for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I used to play a video game called Tecmo Super Bowl. Um, and it's like Madden before there was Madden, if you can believe that or not. Uh, I can. Yeah, you can believe that. And – uh <laughs> And so uh, I I, uh, I got to meet him, and I thought that was pretty cool. So uh, meeting people who I am fans of is uh, is always something that when I was a kid that that Phil was really cool, and he's you know he was a really good running back. But I got to interview him, and I was very excited about that. Okay, uh, how much how much do you like playing Madden? By the way,
5: uh, well I haven't played it in my a uh, while because my big brother he's eleven, he always plays Fortnite. And so I never get to play Madden. But when I did, I would just draft a team. I would get Derrick Henry, max him out to 99, max all my players to 99. Then I would throw Hail Marys every play and win like 130 to 17.
3: Yeah. Who's better at Madden, you or Dad? Me. (laughs) (laughs) You Uh,
5: threw picks every time we played. Yeah, Dad threw a lot of interceptions.
3: (laughs) So Dad is also coaching your Little League team, right? Yep. How would you say Dad is as a coach? He's also helped coach basketball other sports. But what how would for people out there listening right now, what would you say as a player dad's biggest strength is as a coach?
5: Well, if I were to give you on a 1 to 10, I would give you an 8. Uh-huh. Your biggest strength is probably fixing things that we've messed up on because Like, we always need that, and you're really good at that, because, like, you're always watching, and you're not like some other parents who just don't watch the game, and they're just focused on their phone, looking at Twitter and stuff. Yeah. And then they don't watch the game and don't fix it, and then their team's awful. Yeah. But you just spend time off your phone, even though you kind of have to be on your phone a lot. Yeah. And you spend that time to watch me play and fix my mistakes.
3: Okay, so in eight, what do I do badly?
5: Uh, sometimes... There's a mess up, or well, this happened once, like maybe a year ago. Uh, it was like something, and you messed up on telling me what to do, and so the play was wrong. Yeah, and we lost because of that. But then otherwise, you've been very good at like. Everything.
3: Who do you think would be better at little league coaching, me or Nick Saban?
5: Oh well, probably Nick Saban because he can he coaches college, and he's probably an expert on coaching, and he's won like six national, what? Six, six na- national championships. Six national championships, which, I mean, he's not a baseball guy, but he could probably lead us to a championship.
3: Does dad get mad?
5: Sometimes. Sometimes if we mess up and, like, it's a play that we know we could have done better, he gets kind of raged. <laughs>
3: Uh, all right. So, what other questions do you have for me? Why, why, by the way, a lot of people asking right now. Why are you? Are you still an Alabama football fan?
5: Uh, so I have switched to Tennessee, and Alabama is my second favorite. Why so, did you
3: switch to Tennessee?
5: Because it's way more fun to be a Tennessee fan. Because everybody there's way nicer, and there's more fans that are there. So,
3: yeah. Are you a Titans fan? Yes. Yeah. Uh, what did James Franklin tell you? Um, I know you're a big, are you still a big Nick Saban fan?
5: Well, I'm not a fan. Well, I'm a fan of Nick Saban. Yeah. But I'm mostly a fan of the players.
3: So James Franklin is a uh, Penn State coach. And Mm -hmm. when you told him that Nick Saban was your favorite, that Nick Saban was your favorite coach, what did he ask you?
5: Oh, he asked me. (laughs) Actually, he was like, your favorite coach, you know, should be your bud James Franklin up here. And I was like, okay. Well, so and
3: then he said, right, I mean, he tried to argue. He said, have you ever met Nick Saban?
5: And I was like, yeah, I did.
3: Yeah, you got to shake his hand. And then he said, well, have you ever swam in Nick Saban's pool?
5: I was like, no.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And so is James Franklin your favorite coach now, or how would you break that down? Well,
5: I've, like... Penn State's not my favorite team. They're probably my third. Yeah. But like on coach, like I've met him the most and he's really fun to hang around with. Yeah. So probably, yeah.
3: Yeah. All right. What else? Do you have any other questions you need to ask me?
5: What was your best Little League play you've ever done?
3: So when I was playing Little League baseball, uh, I uh, struck out the final batter to win the league championship. When I was probably nine years old or so, I was a pitcher. Might have been 10, nine or 10. I think I was in uh, fourth grade. So in fourth grade, I struck out the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the other side to win a league championship. And then, and then when I was around your age, I also played Little League All-Stars. And we came in second or third in the state at the 10, 9, 10-year-old you know, boy's age.
5: I have made All-Stars two more times than you.
3: Yeah, you're a better baseball player than <laughs> I was.
5: <laughs> Three in a row for me.
3: Yeah. Uh, who is who is uh, meaner in the house, mom or dad? Mom. Yeah.
5: Dad usually lets me sleep with him, so we get to watch games and stuff.
3: Yeah, we stay up late and watch games together, don't we? Yep. Yeah. Well, I think these are good questions. Any other questions that you have on your list?
5: Okay. This one's going to – you're going to – <laughs> it's going to be hard for you. Who's your favorite kid that you have?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I have three boys, right? Yep. Um, I have Fox, who's my oldest. I have you. Fox is a fifth grader. I have a second grader, and I have a four-year-old. <laughs> and uh, what do you think my answer is going to be? Me. No, it's not. The answer is not you. Uh, The answer is I like all three of my boys equally. It has to
5: be one particular.
3: No, no parent is going to tell you that they have a favorite (laughs) kid. One day, hopefully, you have kids of your own and you'll understand. Who's your favorite brother? Nash. Yeah. (laughs) Why do you like your younger brother more than your older brother? Because
5: Nash thinks he's my dude, and so we always play, and he likes playing basketball in the backyard with me. Otherwise, Fox is just kind of a jerk so he tries to bully me and stuff
3: yeah um all right well is he getting better or worse worse really yep oh okay well um well we'll see if we can rectify that um all right anything else is that your last question yep anything else you've thought of during this interview no you're good
5: yep i'm good
3: final segment next we'll react to that interview this is Outkick
0: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app search FSR to listen live
3: welcome back Geico Outkick Studios Lots of feedback rolling in. Uh, Appreciate everybody reacting to uh, Lincoln. Uh, He's coming uh, for
4: your job, Clay.
3: Yeah, my eight-year-old grilling me. He might be coming for your job, too. Uh, Aaron uh, on Twitter. Uh, I'm thinking Lincoln needs to make a weekly appearance. That was probably one of the more entertaining segments. He's smarter than your crew. Off the top rope, wiping all of you out. Uh, Well,
4: one thing, I have one complaint about that interview. What's that? We've never heard you more excited for an interview than last year when we got the famous Tiger Hunter from India. Yeah, Tiger Hunter.
3: The thing is, he didn't tell me his questions in advance. Ah. So when you get questioned on, like, what's your favorite, what's the most excited, what's the best, like, it's hard on the spur of the moment to think through your entire life. I don't know that some of those questions I've ever been asked before. Like I've been interviewed a lot, but I've never been asked like my favorite, you know, those kind of questions. So I didn't have any idea what he was going to ask, Ooh. and it was a live interview. That's but yeah, the a, tiger hunter was uh, was about as excited as I've been. Usually that's just it's not another another sign
4: figure. of hard hitting journalism. It's is it. and exactly. I learned
2: that you suck at Madden Clay.
7: Uh,
3: <laughs> oh, I, I I have tapped out on uh, all the games. Like my kids can run me in everything: Fortnite, Madden, uh, NBA Live, uh, World Cup, FIFA, whatever that stuff is. Like. I'm too old now. I was good back in the NES, the 8-bit in Nintendo day, maybe the Super Nintendo, maybe the early, early PlayStation iterations. I don't even know which one we're on now. I think I don't. Even, I think we have an Xbox, PlayStation I'm not even Four, sure.
2: and PlayStation Five comes out next year.
3: Yeah, I'm not even sure which which game system they have right now. But uh, but I've been tapped out on those for a little bit for a while. I don't have any time. I've tried whenever I try to play, I just get run. It's not very much competition. Uh, but uh, I wanted to hit this because it's pretty funny. We uh, Nashville drew over 600,000 people for the NFL draft Uh, Philly Chicago and Dallas combined drew 675,000 people so Nashville by itself almost drew more people than Philly Chicago and Dallas combined for their NFL draft you would think everybody was excited about it Uh uh-uh there were bachelorette parties in town they didn't know about it and this lady was not pleased And it just changes like the crowd like what you're here for like I don't want to hang out
7: with a bunch of football guys like I'm good I already have to watch football on Sundays I don't need to,
5: to see any more of that.
0: For the parties we talked to, the NFL Draft came as a shock. And did you realize that the NFL Draft was going to be here? No. No idea, like mind
7: blown when we landed.
5: We had no idea. No idea. No idea. idea. And I think my dad's (laughs) very disappointed in me that I didn't know. When
7: did I start planning the draft? Because I feel like I just found out about this. I found out three days ago and it made me want to cry. Yeah, she
6: found out and told me a few months ago and I said, well, we already booked
7: it. We're not changing it. So instead,
6: they're coming up with plans. We, we had to
7: people huh? so we'll do it again.
9: Navigating to Broadway, was it? Yeah. All we got to job, get dropped off early and walk the rest of the way. We're yeah. still
7: planning on using Uber, and if it takes two hours, it takes two hours. <laughs> it is what it is.
3: <laughs> so these girls all show up. Nashville has become, per capita, the Bachelorette capital of America, and tons of them show up every weekend now in Nashville and run around and go everywhere, and this was an utter disaster. Uh, For them, according to them in these questions, I would think it would actually be phenomenal, right? Because there's tons of dudes downtown. It's a great vibe. They shut down the street, but they were complaining about it like crazy. So everybody loved the draft in Nashville, except for a few bachelorette parties. All right, I'm out the rest of the week. Jason Martin and Jeff Schwartz will be in on Thursday and Friday. I'll be back with you on Monday, reacting to everything that happens over the weekend. Long weekend for me. I'll be on Lock It In later today, and then I'm out. This is Outkick on Fox Sports Radio.